Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Today, my guest is a real journeyman, a storyteller with a story that, well, okay, how do you go from selling merchandise for a big country star to becoming that particular star's go to co writer and quickly having over a dozen songs recorded? I mean, it happened fast. From ACM and Grammy Nods, the list goes on. We're going to find this out and a whole lot more. Please welcome hit songwriter and my pal, Matt Warren. What's up, Matt? What's up, brother? How are you? I was stumbling through your intro, you know? Oh, man, you made me sound way better than it really is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's good. It's good, man. I love your story, and obviously I've gotten the... The blessing to sit next to you and watch you do your thing, and uh, I'm just trying to figure out how the heck you ended up doing merchandise at all. Uh, and uh, I mean, most most of the artists that I, I've had a lot of artists I've come across, and they need to be selling merch for you. So I, I want to go back and talk about that. Um, let's talk about how all that went down. Talk about who Man. it was, you know, and then then I'm gonna go I'm gonna go way back in the rearview mirror. But let's start there. I. Uh... I grew up in Gulletsville, Hendersonville, Gallatin, uh, Tennessee area, which is just north of Nashville, about 10 or 15 miles. And um, my parents went to high school with Terry and Sherry Cologne. And the Colognes own Richards and Southern uh, Merchandise Company. Ah. And 18 years ago, shoot, um, I guess 19 years ago, man, time flies. 19 years ago, I was waiting tables uh, at Chili's at Rivergate. <laughs> And uh, the clones came in, uh, and they sat in my section, and we were just kind of catching up. And they said, you know, what are your plans this summer? And at the time, uh, I had kind of been in school at, um, at UT Knoxville and had come home and decided I you know, wanted to try to, to get in a band or start a band or whatever. But it nothing was really happening yet. And so they asked me if I wanted to go on tour uh, with a country artist and sell merchandise. And uh, I said, sure. And, you know, I really wasn't listening to country at the time. And so, you know, I came in on like a Monday and to their office and they said, all right, well, we've got two openings. You can either go with Rascal Flats or Gary Allen. And at the time, you know, I didn't know either of the uh, of those artists. 
And so I said, man, I just, I'll go with the, with Gary Allen. I didn't know what a rascal flat was. I didn't want to get involved with <laughs> in something I didn't know anything about. So I asked, uh, to take the, uh, Gary Allen gig. And that's how I met Gary Allen. Uh, we basically toured. We all lived in a bus for about three months that summer. You know, Gary was really wearing it out and it was a real, eye-opening experience for me to get out there and get on a professional tour um you know in a bus you know with a tour manager all this kind of stuff and and in a way it was kind of a dream come true you know because i had always wanted to tour and i think a part of me wanting to tour was to see what it would be like you know to ride them down the road in a tour bus and, Mm -hmm. and do that kind of thing and it was uh it was really cool man all all the guys in, in gary's camp really uh you know were really cool with me you know they teased the crap out of me you know they had me believing that a jackalope was an actual thing you know, <laughs> for a, co- a couple months you were being initiated you know, you know that i was you? being initiated yeah, yeah. to say the least <laughs> <laughs> but that's how i met gary man um and we knew each other for probably six years before we actually got together to write and that was um you know gary's wife at the time passed away and right right that's right we were we were big buddies and he was he was at the house and he asked me to come over and hang out and just have dinner and when i got there uh we were hanging and he asked me to play play him a new song you know he was a big fan i had a band that had put a record out and he was a, him and his wife and the kids were all a big fan of of what i was doing and so uh, he came i came over to the house and he asked me to play him, you know, something new, and I played him a song, and, and he said, "Man, we we ought to write sometime." And we booked a day to write that night, and that was uh, that's kind of how that all went down. Okay, so tell me this. First of all, I got to ask you, how did the the Colognes, right? They're the family that own the merchandise mm-hmm. companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember that them. How did they trust you? Uh, to go out with an artist. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think of that time period, Rascal Flats, even though you didn't know what a Rascal Flat was. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, I think we ought to tell Joe Don and Jay and see how they, and Gary, see how they react to that. You know, that'd be so oh, good. Yeah. But, but I'm trying to think of that time period. It must have been so early for them. They were probably just out of the gate, right? Oh, uh, man. It, it was so early for Flats that, um, let me see if I, let me make sure I get this right. So we, I, I do remember playing in Frederick, either Frederick, Maryland, or Fredrickson, Maryland. I can't remember, but it was for sure in Maryland. And Gary was on the bill, and Rascal Flats was opening up. Yeah. And then Gary Allen, and then Toby Keith. Yeah, and so Gary came. Yeah, Gary line. came before Rascal yeah. Flats. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Was, I mean, they were literally just getting off the ground. Yeah, and I was on the same label with Gary for a while, so it was it was sort of that deal. But Gary was there before I was. Okay, so let's let's talk about this though. How did he find your music? How did he find? How did he know? You know, where was it? When was it? When it was the first time that Gary Allen, we're talking to Matt Warren, heard your songs, yeah. heard you play. The truth be known. Yeah, we, we want the were, truth. Yeah, yeah, we were on this uh, huge like. North American tour um, in 2000. It was Gary Allen Smoke Rings in the Dark tour. And we had made our way up to the Pacific Northwest. 
and we were playing in a little town called Winthrop, Washington. I'll never forget it. It was incredible. It was like this this make-believe little mountain town that had like a mercantile store. It had a church, a liquor store, and, like a gas station, and a post office. I mean, it was like out of a movie scene. And uh, I just remember it was Gary and Hal Ketchum. We got there. And we were staying at this bed and breakfast. You know, the living room was this huge grand piano. And it had these, you know, these huge windows from the floor to the ceiling. And it looked right out into, like, this valley with, like, a little private lake. And uh, <laughs> Gary said, you know, boys, this might be a good time for the bus to break down for a couple of days. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and sure enough... Uh, we stayed there for two or three days after we played the gig and just enjoyed uh, that scenery. And while we were there staying, you know, at night, uh, we'd all get in the living room and, you know, kind of started picking up some jams or whatever. And I, you know, none of the guys knew really that I played. And so I, I kind of sit down with the guitar and chunked out of few chords and started singing and everybody just kind of looked at me and they're like what you know <laughs> what in the world is this you know you guys you know where, where you been hiding that brother yeah and they actually you know they actually made me feel really um it, I, it was a big confidence boost because at the time you know i i knew that i enjoyed singing and i i enjoyed writing songs but i wasn't really sure if I was good or not, and um, and I'll I'll never forget that when those guys would all make their living touring, you know, for a national act on a on a big time label, when they all kind of looked at me and said, "Man, you know, jump in here anytime you want to and, and jam," you know, that that really gave me a big boost of confidence that maybe, you know, what I was doing. Right. They realize you know, that you, they're probably all going to be, they realize at that point, we better quit initiating Matt because we're probably going to be working for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but they did make me feel like family. And, and, uh, and ever since that, that weekend in, uh, in Winthrop, Washington, I'll, I have to say that, um, all those guys that, that were in Gary's camp and, and, you know, of course that was 19 years ago. So almost 20 years ago, wow. I still see those guys from time to time, and they're always, uh, you know, proud. You know, quick to say how proud they are of me for chasing my dream. Yeah, and uh, of course, still working with Gary, and it's it's been an awesome ride, to be honest. I love it. We're talking to Matt Warren. We're going to find out a whole lot more about where it goes from here. You're in a Mississippi minute. We're going to be right back. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. So you're standing in the middle of the thunder and lightning. I know you're feeling like you just can't win, but you're trying. 
I'm Steve Azar. We are in a Mississippi Minute. All 60 of them, because we're rolling like that. And I'm with Matt Warren, hit singer-songwriter. He's had so many nods for Grammys and ACMs. Uh, I've just quit quit counting. And uh, but he's just a great guy, great soul, uh, and what a talent. Uh, And and very versatile. I think musically, Matt, for people that aren't familiar with you, are going to get a treat. They're going to realize that sort of like you got your own thing going and you sort of live in the middle of nowhere, which is which is a bad thing at times. But for people that love honest music, it's a great thing. So when you find a fan, they're there for life. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You're right. You know, you're 100 percent. I want to know how the first cuts happened. My very first cut was actually the first song that I had ever co-written with Gary. So, um, as I was saying earlier, I uh, I had a band uh, at the time, and uh, well, I'll rewind just a bit uh, to when Gary fired me and said, "You need to go on to your thing and and you know become what you're going to become." And I'll, we need a different merch guy. So I went, I got off of that tour, and I made a record with my band Papa Joe. Uh, right. It's called Storybook Ending. You can get that thing on iTunes or, or all your streaming services. And yep. it was just the basically the the first ten songs that I had ever written and co-written, uh, and basically wrote them with my buddy David Wakefield, who was in a, in my first band, uh, that Papa Joe band. And um, so I had written these songs. And made this record, and Gary was really into it, you know, just as a as a friend and as a fan, and and he loved what I was doing. And so, from the time that he fired me uh, in the fall of 2000 to about 2006, uh, we were just you know kept in contact and were buddies. And when he would come in town, I'd go see him and and this and that. But it wasn't until uh, his wife Angie at the time had passed away, and I was over at the house hanging out and uh he was like man play me play me something new and so i played him a new song that i'd written by myself and, and he was like man i really love that you know we should we should write together sometime and so i said man it sounds great to me and i was a little nervous you know because i written i really hadn't co-written a lot at that yeah at that time and and so we booked a date and the very first song that um we wrote um went on his record. The first song. He was making at the time. Very first song that, that we wrote. And he the way it happened was I came in and he had a spiral notebook um, that was, he had a, a whole page that was full of titles. And uh, he's like, man, you know, see if there's anything on there that uh, that you like. And, and I'll never forget, you know, I was just reading each one as I went down and I stopped when I saw... Um, of Marty Blanken uh, putting memories away. Uh, and, it, and it seemed it seemed like it would be uh, a really good title to write with him because of what had just happened. It just happened, right. But, yeah, and I thought, you know, if if I'm trying to write a song with him, um, that'll, you know, I want it to mean as much as possible, but I also want to be able to have a chance to maybe get on his record. I, I thought, you know, this, this would be a, a great title because... You know, essentially, it will write itself. I mean, you go mm-hmm. there. Uh, was was it an emotional right? Was it? You know what I mean? Was it? Was it uh, for Gary and and for you? I, you know, that was a long time ago. But I do remember this. I remember. Um, 
I had the very first line. I just kind of spit it out, and it seemed after that that it, watching Gary, it looked like it was almost um, that it was therapy for him mm-hmm. to be writing that because you know he liked the first line, and and we kept pursuing it, and I could tell that you know you know how it goes, you know, when you're writing, a lot of times you'll just keep repeating the one line that you got until something kind of, kind of falls out. But I could, I do remember thinking that, um, it looked like it felt really good to Gary and I was excited that I was, um, going to be a part of whatever was about to happen with the song. And lo and behold, you know, we wrote it and, um, he cut it. And I'll never forget when, when Gary went into the studio to cut the song, invited me to come along and Mark Wright was the producer. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, Gary, Gary got, uh, Brent Rowan was the, was yeah. the session leader. And he, he, Gary got the chart that, um, Brent had made to give to all the uh, musicians for the song. And Gary took the original one and had everybody that was a part of the song, you know, autograph it for me, you know, because it was going to be my first cut. Right. And when he, when he gave it to Mark Wright, uh, Mark took it and signed it. Matt, too bad this ain't going to make the record. Mark oh, Wright. <laughs> he's so bad. For people that don't know Mark Wright, that's another trip. It'd take 11 Mississippi minutes to interview this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's a character. Okay, I love that about him. But Okay, so uh, I had a question. First of all, Brent Rowan, for people that don't know, there's been guitar players in history that come along that are just on fire during a period in Nashville. Brent Rowan was on fire, but because I made some records with him, he was on a mission, and, and tell me did he ever he he was he bought this property in colorado and his whole point was look it won't be long i'm ending up there and he did he quit i mean he just left town you know and uh i think that he just decided just to check out and i'm sure he's still playing guitar or or, or actually i've heard that oh they'll go this guy brent rowan will get up and he'll jam and stuff and this guy's incredible and i'm going incredible he's played on like more number one records than we know what to do and so uh, I, I love hearing you say Brent Rowan. I hadn't heard that name in a long time. Uh, I got to ask you something. As you're okay. writing and you're going through this, a lot of, a lot of songwriters, a lot of artists, uh, everybody's done the typical sort of the training on the row. You know, you get your publishing deal, you go in, you eat your Captain Crunch is what I eat. That's my cereal of choice. And you go in and you write. Did you ever experience that or it doesn't sound like you did? Uh, no, you know, how I got my, wow, okay, so how I got my, um, publishing deal was actually before, um, okay, let me get this right. So in the, when Gary let me go, uh, in the fall of 2000, um, his thing was, man, go home and make a record with your band, you know, like you, that's, that's what you need to be doing, man. And so I went home, and um, I was in partnership at the time with a guy named Buddy Butts in Hendersonville, Tennessee. He had Hank Snow's old cabin up on the lake, up uh, in, just down the street from the famous Bell Cove Club in Hendersonville mm-hmm. where Bill Monroe used to play. And, uh, I was dating his daughter at the time, and he and I were, were very close. And so he, he bought this cabin, and we gutted it. And uh, put a studio in there, and I, the guy, one of the guys I was in a band with, Matt Johnson, he uh, had had a lot of experience in making records, and so 
um, we put the gear in there and we recorded the first 10 songs that I'd ever written with my, either by myself or with my buddy, David Wakefield. Right. And we make, we make this record. Um, so we press it and my buddy, David worked at this little old gas station in Gallatin, Tennessee, which is where I went to high school, where I kind of grew up. Uh, he was working at this market, Fox and market right there by the lake. And so Rick Hall, from Muscle Shoals, yeah. the famous Rick Hall, who just passed away. Him and his son, Mark. Mark lived uh, up in Douglas Bend area in Gallatin, which is where I'm from. Uh, he lived up there, and I guess they had just gotten off the lake or something. They came into the gas station to get some gas or whatnot, and David was playing our CD that we had just made. Uh, and Mark and Rick were like, man, who who is that? And he said... Uh, well, that's, that's my band, Papa Joe. And well, who's that singing? Oh, it's my buddy, Matt, Matt Warren. <laughs> well, who's writing it? Well, you know, me and Matt. They said, uh, can we get your number? Got our number. I think they took the CD home that night uh, to listen to it. And then, like, two weeks later, uh, we're having a meeting with uh, with Mark and his brother, Rodney Hall, um, at Fame. Wow. In the Nashville office. And long story short, they offered me a publishing deal, and I signed it, and that's really what got me going as far as on the business side of things. Um, Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? You So there's all sorts of routes. People, I think our listeners always kind of are curious, on, and especially listeners that have kids that are interested or, or they're interested still and in trying to figure out how can you get it. You know, people ask all the time, you and me, all we're always asked the question, you know, what do you do? There's an example of just you were doing it, and then you were doing something yeah. else. We're talking to Matt Warren. Matt, you get to play DJ. You get to hear Matt. either Paul Davis or Ike Turner. And I'm, I'm Ooh. I see that. Ike Turner. See what just happened? A turn just right there. You're in a Mississippi minute. We're with Matt Warren. And we're sort of uh, walking down some gravel roads, uh, talking about how he got there. And there's going to be a whole lot more. You're in a Mississippi minute. Stand by. If I only knew something. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Still learning how to pray. Trying hard not to stray. I'm Steve Azar. We are with hit songwriter, recording artist, Matt Warren. I mean, from cool beginnings. Uh, This is just sort of how you just sort of... It doesn't even sound like you had a plan, Matt. The, the plan just sort of found you, and it's just sort of like you're you're cool with the with time doing its thing with you, and I love that. So let's talk about it. You get you you've had some rejections. I want to hear about. It. Give me a good one. Well, my I guess my, the most infamous rejection was, you know, when uh, when Mark Hall heard my record. He, you know, I always thank him to this very day, you know, for giving me that first opportunity. But he really believed in us so much so that uh, he sent my record, uh, Papa Joe's storybook ending to Clive Davis. And, uh, you know, he sent it up there and was like, man, I know that you're busy, but uh, I just heard this, this record from this band. And I really believe in I'm going to sign to a publishing deal. And, uh, 
just want to know what what you think. You know, I think they're the next big thing. And so, uh, six years later, when I left uh, Fame, uh, Mark told me he goes, "Man, I I've got a copy of that of the the letter that Clive Davis sent back to me after he heard your record. Would you like it?" And I said, "Of course." So <laughs> I have it framed, and it you know it says. Dear Mark, we did listen to the material of Papa Joe, and although they do have talent, I regret to say that we just didn't hear the material that's breaking through. I can hear their old-school influence like Tom Petty and the Eagles, but they are going to need those career-launching songs. At the present time, we just don't hear anything that could be a breakthrough. Needless to say, I wish there were more po- this were more positive, but I'm sure you want candid feedback. Please send my warm regards to your dad and I wish you the best. Sincerely yours, Clive Davis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. You got to frame that. You got to frame it. Oh man. You, you know, I've 100%. got, I've, I've got one from 19, uh, it would be 1989 and that's from Ahmed Erdogan. And it was, uh, oh, wow. similar. Uh, although I got a couple visits with him and I thought it was going to happen. It didn't. And I'm glad it didn't because it would have, it would have been, not i wouldn't have been ready or ripe for anything but uh but 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 i kept that letter too and it's in a photo album i don't like to look at it too much it makes me nervous but no he was a great you know when the when the great ones say no to you it's all right (laughs) yeah 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 i love it i remember i remember um the very first song i ever wrote with gary um rolling stone magazine that was the first pop, pop country record that they had done a record review on uh i I want to say, you know, either a long time or ever. And um, they gave the record four out of five stars. They said it was an incredible record, you know, yeah. it, the whole thing. You could, you know, it was about his wife passing away. And uh, they said, we give the Star Track Award to Putting Memories Away, which was the song that he and I had written. They said it was the new Grand Tour, you know, by George Jones, but, you know, of course, our version. And, uh, <laughs> At that point, you know, up until that point, I'd said, oh, who cares what Rolling Stone says about, you know, record reviews? They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's funny how you change your mind, you know, if they, oh, yeah. they, they review your song. And oh, you they like it. Yeah, well, you got to learn, you know, it's, it's like a golfer. You know, you, if, when you can learn that the that to feed off of the great shots and forget the bad ones, yeah, that's what you do. So you never pay attention to the bad reviews because they can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. They're never right. Hey, Matt, so let's talk about your ASCAP awards. You've won a couple, right? I mean, it could yep. be more by now. I know that you won a couple. Um, what was your first – what was the first award and which song? The, my first award was – Learning How to Bend? Learning How to Bend, yeah. And I wrote that with uh, with Gary Allen and James LeBlanc. Yeah. And James so – the Muscle guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know James. So, so you you end up uh, that what that feel like? I mean, you know. So you're you're finally on your way now, um, and you win well, an ACM. Man, those aren't they're not easy to win. I mean, that means that that means that was the best song, and it wasn't even a number one. I bet was it? A, a, I know it had to be a top five, top ten, right? So, uh, learning how to bend. Uh, that was a number ten. So it didn't even is a ten. It got to ten, and it won what? What? What it win? What award? Song of the year? Well, now, it, no, it just won uh, the, an ASCAP award. the The song that I was up for that was up for song of the year was "Every Storm Runs High." Oh, Rain. that's right. Okay, all right. And that was my second single. 
Okay, so your ASCAP awards, right, was learning how to bend. That's your friend, which is a great, right? It's a great feeling when you go to the award ceremonies. Oh, uh, great up. feeling. You know, for me, it was, I didn't, it wasn't until after all of it had really went down that I could appreciate the, the scope of things for me because basically uh, that was my second cut. Learning how to bend was the second cut I'd ever had. And so my second cut I ever had, you know, goes, um, as a single and goes to number 10 and, and the, you know, the putting memories away, the song that I uh, got the good review on rolling in Rolling Stone, Gary played that on Oprah Winfrey. You know, he, she was having a show about um, depression and, and mm-hmm. because his wife had committed suicide. Right. They'd asked him to come on and Oprah came out to his house to interview him. And, and so the song that he played on Oprah was put memories away. And so for me, you know, I'm just kind of, trying to write some songs so I'll have a reason to be a lead singer in this band. And along the way, I meet Gary Allen, and, uh, you know, one thing happens and another thing happens, and then before you know it, you know, I've got two cuts with this guy, and one of them's getting critical review from Rolling Stone. The second one, is, you know, is the single. I love and, it because I think what happened was, you know, you look at it, it – just from the perspective, you know, first of all, Gary's always done songs a little different from everybody, right? Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it's always been just a little bit something else, and it just works yeah. for him, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does. There's not another Gary Allen. He sounds like himself. It looks like himself. Great performer. Good guy. Just really good guy. And uh, and I just think that you guys were sort of, you know, the stars aligned and and it was supposed to happen because just being on stage with you and understanding what you're like, it's a no-brainer to me to to see you to get along and write. You guys have written a lot of songs together, and then mm-hmm. and then like it, it uh, what? In it wasn't long ago you had like half his record, right, or more? Yeah, like it. So it's that's still about to. Uh, that's that's the record that's about to come out. Hopefully, here in the next couple months. Um, He's cut six of mine uh, on that, you know, for this record. I'm not sure how many are gonna. What'll make the final cut? I'm hoping all six of those, but but you know, I'm not sure. And as I was gonna interject and say that, you know, even to this day, Gary still is a guy who you can't really pin down what he's doing, you know, because I obviously uh, he's a connection that I have, and um, you know, I always uh, play him the best stuff that I feel like I'm writing, and kind of give him the first dibs if he's interested and you know each year there'll be a song or two that i think for sure he's going to be into you know that he'll really like and he won't really say anything about them and then i'll send him some stuff that i'm just sending him to make sure that that he's checking out you know and and he'll go man i love this song you know and i which i a lot of times it's happened that i would have never guessed that hey so we're talking to matt warren matt did you have any mentors along the way yeah, um, man. That really um, that really influenced you. I tell you what, my first mentor was uh, Walt Aldridge um, out of Muscle Shoals. He, I learned really quick from him that um, if you just show up and you have a good attitude and you try to write something, uh, that's always a good thing, you know, to work that muscle. Um, I had also, I would say that James LeBlanc was a mentor of mine because. He showed me that no matter what's going on in your personal life, even if you're, you know, you're suffering some bad, you are going going through some bad things or some downtimes or, or whatnot, that you can channel 
all of that and make great art and and mm-hmm. hopefully um you know get on records and sure enough James and I have have written when we both were in a funk and wrote an amazing song and it got on the record uh and then I would say that um the Gary Allen and and Tom Bukovac, who is a uh, he's a you know a musician, award winning mm-hmm. musician, session player in town. But um, you know, being around people like Gary and Tom, super successful musicians and artists, who and, and you know what, and guys like you, Steve, like like guys who uh, who are artists and who are who do their thing and who have had record deals and uh, who are continuing to make waves. When when people like you guys. Uh, sit down, you know, on a stage next to somebody like me, who in, in in my mind I'm still that kid from Gallatin, Tennessee, you know, mm-hmm. trying to trying to to do my thing. When when we get to sit beside guys like you and and play these songs uh, that we've written, it's at that, those very moments that I feel um, the most musically alive, and I feel the most um, comfortable in or. Like I'm in a spot that I belong, you know. Well, and, you and it's do. great. To I mean, out. I appreciate it's that. It's great to turn on the radio and hear your song or whatever, you know, by another artist, and 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 I really do appreciate that. But it's really the times that I get to, you know, get on stage and and make music with guys like Gary Allen or Steve Azar or Tom Bukovac. Like those, those are the moments that I kind of go, man, this is where I want to be. This is how I like to shine. Well, that's a huge, that's a huge compliment for me, and you don't, you have no idea how much I respect you. So, I really appreciate that. I mean, I really do. We're with Matt Warren. You're in a Mississippi minute. We're gonna be right back. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I am the king of fools. I'm Steve Azar. We are with Fabulous. Because I have fabulous guests on all the time. I do. I'm very always blessed uh, to have friends of mine. Uh, and people I don't know that I become friends with and that we all become friends with here in a Mississippi Minute. We're with Matt Warren, hit singer-songwriter. Matt, let's break into a little Robert Randolph. And how did all that Man. go down? Because he's your boy. I mean, he's one another. There's an example of you just sort of doing, has nothing, well, it has everything yeah. to do with you, but if you're looking at a, a songwriter on paper, you don't make a lot of sense. But right. I love this. And so let's talk about how you and Robert met and how the relationship, the writing relationship, and and the Grammy nod. And I think you got you won a Grammy with Robert, right? No, we we were we were up for a Grammy. How come I'm always wrong? I swear, I just hate it. I, you know what? I think I'm just going to say you won a Grammy. I'm tired of. Hey, should... hey, I'll take it. <laughs> no, so you were nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. So now here's uh, here's how the Robert Randolph thing happened. So I've got a good buddy, Django Walker, who is the uh, son of Jerry Jeff Walker, famous Texas songwriter. Mm-hmm. And Django and I were good buddies, and uh, he seemed to always be playing these super cool uh, songwriter festivals uh, in tropical places. And I asked him, you know, who was putting those on? And he said, man, it's my good buddy, Patrick Davis. And so 
uh, he said, man, you need to meet Patrick sometime. And so Django and I were having uh, brunch on a Sunday, and we went and met Patrick. And uh, Patrick and I became friends, and he started asking me out on some of these uh, songwriter festivals. And, you know, along with becoming friends and, and playing together, you know, more, more than likely in, in Nashville turns into, you know, you start writing with these people. So mm-hmm. uh, my friend Patrick Davis and I and my good buddy Chris Gelbuta, we had scheduled a, a day to write. And Patrick, um, I'm not really sure how, but he... He's known Robert for a long time. Maybe and through Darius. Good. If this, you're talking about Patrick from from Carolina, right? It, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's from Darius. He always does the. He's got the cool band. So that's where you know that's probably where it all went down. Yes. So uh, so so Patrick and Gail Buta and I were riding, and and Robert was in town, and Patrick said, "Man, do you care if I have Robert Randolph come over?" And I was like, "Man, are you kidding?" <laughs> Because I, I was a big fan, you know. I've seen Robert open up for Widespread Panic. Of course, you know I'm a big fan of theirs. Right. And so, man, he, it just made sense bring him over. Uh, and that day, and you know how it goes as a songwriter, like you, you're not always on. You know, there's some days. Right. Some days I'm just the salt and the pepper for the spaghetti dish. <laughs> you know. <laughs> then then other days you're you're the you're the doodles and the meat and everything. But <laughs> but this particular day. Um, which was strange to me because here Robert is, you know, a Grammy-nominated guitar player. I, I, I rarely am the guy in the room that's coming up with, the, you know, the guitar parts because I'm not the, the best guitar you know player in the world. But, man, we sat down, and I started going on this little, you know, two-chord thing, kind of bouncing back and forth, and that groove felt good. And Robert looked over at me. He's like, yeah, man, I love that. Let's, you know, let's, let's follow that. And huh. I kind of had a, I had a, a title and a, and it just kind of fell out, really. I mean, it, I remember that day being really easy, uh, being like uh, it, it felt like home to me. You know, it was like, man, this is where this is my wheelhouse. So I, I could do this with my eyes closed. You know, just kind of right put, put out this R and B kind of feel goody thing. And and long story short, we wrote a song that day called L O V E Love. Let it do what it do. And <laughs> He said, man, I'm going to cut that song. We were like, oh, this is going to be great. And he said, man, I'm going to get Darius Rucker to come sing on that thing. Oh, oh it's going to be great. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you know, he's playing this song on the, the, the Today Show. And, uh, you know, then he's up for, uh, that record was up for Blues Record of the Year. Right. Against Tedeschi Trucks, against, you know, Taj Mahal, Kev Moe. And uh, so, once again, just serendipitously, you know, I meet Robert Randolph on this whim through my buddy Patrick Davis, and next thing I know, uh, I'm having a little bit of success with him. He's actually in town uh, this past week. I love it. And y'all, y'all continue to write it all. Has there been any yeah. second? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, when you when you write love, let it do what it do, which I love that title, <laughs> by the way. That just makes me feel good just to say it. It rolls so great. Well, listen, we're going to have you down to the Delta again soon because the Delta misses wait. you. We miss you. And I'm proud of you. And uh, and Doze is waiting. You know that. And uh, and it's uh, Ooh, I can't you, wait. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a good way to get all my friends down to come see me. They don't come see me. They go. They want to eat a steak and tamale. So it's sort of like I'm always <laughs> I'm always in the second on the bill. But that's all right. 
<laughs> and we've been with the great Matt Warren. Matt, I can't thank you enough for spending an entire Mississippi minute with me. Blessings, my brother. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Hey, folks, if you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing his job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.